Well, good morning to all of you, uh, both here in our worship center. It's good to see you this morning. And to those of you who are over in our fellowship hall for our modern worship service, we're glad that you're joining us now as well. And I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful Sunday this morning. And uh, we get to start a brand new series, as you see there on the screen. And we've entitled the series simply, Everybody Serves. And that is the name of one of our values that we have incorporated here at Taylor's. We, our, our mission statement is this, and we should say it more than we do, but here is why we exist as a church. We exist to make disciples. Make disciples who make disciples, if you will, as we encounter God, equip believers, and engage the world. All right, we encounter God and equip believers and engage the world. So we're encountering God together here in our worship time, equipping believers. That's where we walk with Jesus and walk with others to become like him so that we can engage the world. So underneath this mission are values. And we've chosen seven values to give that mission strength, to give it a foundation. And one of those values is this, everybody serves, where we want to see every member of the body of Christ be able to discover their gift that God has given them and then be mobilized into serving the body. And so that's where we want to focus our attention for the next few weeks together. And we're going to help you do that. But by way of illustration, let me just say what an incredible picture it was to see the body at work last week in our life transformation service. Now, if you weren't here, we had one service and uh, we gathered together for the purposes of celebrating what God had done in the lives of people and bringing people to faith in Jesus and they celebrated that in obedience to Jesus by being baptized. And so it was a great, great way to remind ourselves of one of our other values, and that is life transformation. We want to see this church produce people who become followers of Jesus. And as they follow Jesus, they're faithful and they're fruitful. So we saw the product of the mission of the church last week. And it was phenomenal. But it took everybody serving to do that. So for instance, when I arrived on campus, the very first person I ran into or the very first family I ran into was a man who was going to be baptized and his wife was with him. And when we walked in, the hospitality team had already reserved spaces for them to sit, the family to sit. So the hospitality team was already hard at work. Our worship team, our choirs, and our, and our band, they served so well throughout the entire service. And the stories that you heard on video, those take work, and that takes service, and that takes effort. Our baptism team, it's great to see them all together because normally when we baptize in one service or the other, we don't see all of the team members, but they were all hands on deck last week as we had many, many people baptized. And so it was great to see their faces, but it was great to see them work. It was great to see them serve. It was great to see them organized. I tell you what, if John the Baptist had the team that we had last week, he would have made a name for himself. He would have done pretty well. I mean, these guys were organized, and, and they, they were moving us around, and, and uh, I got lost backstage a little bit. It, it was great just kind of getting a feel for people's hearts backstage, but I ran back over into the green room, and um, 
I wanted to watch one of the videos that they were showing, and I thought I had more time than I did. And it gets to the end of the video, and I thought, Oh, no. <laughs> and so I go running up the stairs. I go peeling around the corner. There's the Baptist committee. Where are you, Pastor? Let's go. Time to get in there. I mean, they were organized. They had it all wired. And, and our children's workers, holy cow, that was a long service, right? And, somebody, and this is not when you respond, well, one much longer than normal, right? You don't say that. Okay, but our children's workers at holding those babies and holding those children, we tried to, to say thank you in a very tangible way this past week. But those are things we don't see. We don't see the body working like that. And why do we do it? Because we believe in this mission and that every life has a story and we want the gospel to be the center of that story. And so we serve. We serve so that we can see more people baptized and more people following Jesus. You, you couldn't see it from where you were sitting, but from where I was sitting, standing in the baptistry back here. It was one of my favorite scenes of the entire day. And that was whether it was a mother or a grandparent who, uh, and they're up on the side in the baptistry up there and while, while I'm in the water, to turn and to look and see the tears and see the joy. And I thought, boy, this is worth it. This is worth serving for right here, to see life change and to see the gospel come about. And this is why we want everybody to serve. This is why we want everyone to play a part over the course of the next few weeks, just not attending not just listening to a sermon series as we talk about gifts and as we talk about the body and the unity of the body and the mission of the body, but we want you to participate. How so? Well, on Wednesday nights, we're going to have something special, and that is um, you come on Wednesday nights if you want a more intimate environment to learn about your place at Taylor's how God has gifted you, how uh, the passions that you have, the skills that you have, the places you can serve. Maybe for some of you, who are new here. We just had our dinner with the staff, a great time with folks on Monday night and Wednesday night. And you're wondering, how in the world do I, I get connected and how do I serve in a place like this? Wednesday nights, beginning this Wednesday night, you come and join us in a class simply called Place. It's a great, great class over several weeks where you will learn how can I be used? How can I, how can I serve? Maybe you're serving now and you're thinking, maybe there's something different for me. So place begins this Wednesday night. Also in the fellowship hall on Wednesday nights, Jerry Long, recent member of our church, a former pastor, uh, for, uh, most recently one of the pastors at Shannon Baptist in Columbia has, has joined our church, he and his wife Lynn, and they've already plugged in, but we've asked Jerry to lead us and to help us when it comes to our role and our gifts and, and our place here at Taylor. So in the fellowship hall and in place and here on Sunday mornings, we're all gonna be on the same track towards understanding what is our gifts and how can we serve to make this body stronger? And then in your bulletin, you might want to take a look at this while, I, while I'm walking you through this. Right here, it's our spiritual gift survey. Some of you have done these before. Some of you have no idea what this is. And this is a great little survey. And um, where, where if you go through and answer the questions, and there is no failing this test, I promise you. You cannot fail this one, all right? You go ahead and fill out the questions, and then you get to score the questions. And then on the very back page, you get to leave the results of your 
questions. You, you get to write them down, and then there's also some, uh, some thoughts on your passions and your skills leading you in that direction. Here's what we want to see. Every single body, every single member of the body of Christ here, fill this out. And then uh, leave it in the Welcome Center area right over here. We're going to have baskets available where you can drop it in. And over the course of this time together, here is our heart that we know who our sheep are. We know what your gifts are. We know where your passions and your skills are. And then we can match you with places to serve so that the body of Christ can be strengthened. But if we don't ask you, if we don't come to you, we don't know. And some of you have incredible gifts and abilities to serve this body, and you're simply not engaged or you're not involved for whatever reason. We want to see you move. We want to see you mobilized into action. And so you bring this back next week, all right? That's your assignment. You bring it back next week. You tear off that form and you put it in the uh, baskets that are going to be made available in the Welcome Center. If you need another one of these, we can make those available to you as well. But as we preach and teach through this series, you'll begin to see some of these things flavor, uh, begin to flavor into the, the sermon and into the understanding of gifts and into the understanding of serving. So with all of that said, as we move towards the Lord's Supper today, here's what we want to do. We want to combine... The Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 22, a story of Jesus serving and the Lord's Supper as we come at the end of our time, really the climax of our worship time where we encounter Jesus, we encounter God around his death, around his burial, and certainly the hope of the resurrection as well as we remember his death. And so to do that, I've chosen a passage from Luke chapter 22 where Jesus actually is is leading his followers through the Last Supper, and he's going to teach them a lesson about serving. So what I want to do is walk with Jesus and understand his mind and his heart when it comes to serving, and then we come to the Lord's Supper together. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, what a great time to come to the Lord's Supper, and we invite all of you to do that at the end. But turn to Luke chapter 22, and let's begin in verses 14 through 18. And then we're just going to simply walk through this text, pull out some thoughts from the text, and then apply them to us as we conclude our worship time. Verse 14 of Luke chapter 22, it says this, And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So here is what is happening here. Jesus is celebrating the Passover. Now, the Passover is simply the forerunner to our Lord's Supper. And what Jesus is celebrating is something that the disciples would celebrate every single year. 
And they would gather in Jerusalem, and here is what they're remembering. How that way, way back in Egypt, God freed them, liberated them from bondage, from slavery, because of the blood that God saw, the blood of a lamb that would be put over the doorpost. And when God saw the sacrifice... In his grace and mercy, he freed the people of God, and those who did not believe were left in, their pun in God's punishment and God's judgment. And so here the people of Israel come out, they form a nation, the Messiah comes out of this nation, and the disciples and the apostles and the religious leaders and everyone gathered in Jerusalem some believed he was the Messiah, but they didn't fully understand that when Jesus said, I'm going to eat the Passover with you, and I'm not going to eat it again until the kingdom is fulfilled, here is what Jesus is saying to them. He is saying to them, I am here to serve you with my life, but serving sometimes is simply inconvenient. Because the apostles and the disciples, they've already asked, or they will ask this question a little bit later. When Jesus is about to be ascended into heaven, and, and they will come to him and they will say, Acts chapter 1, Jesus is now the time that the kingdom of God is going to be fulfilled. In other words, Jesus, if you really are the Messiah, we've seen you die, we've seen you resurrected, now will you come, and now is the time, and now is it the right way and the right method? I mean, all of your life you've been teaching and preaching and healing, but then that suffering thing with the cross, okay, I'm glad we got through that, now you've been raised to life, but now is it the right time, now is the right method for the Messiah to rule and reign, and guess what? We're going to reign with you, so is now the right time, Jesus? And he says then what he tells them in that upper room for that very last meal. He says, no, now's the time for me to serve. And now it is inconvenient to do it the way you want, it to, want to do it. But serving sometimes is just simply inconvenient to us. Or so it seems. Might not come at the right time. Serving might not come in the right way or the right method that you have imagined. The word expectations comes to mind. You might have expectations on you and on your life and the way you will engage with this church. You might expect something coming in here and God might be after this series asking you to change those expectations because serving changes our expectations. Serving changes us. It makes us uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes it's just plain and simple, inconvenient for us to serve in the way that we have ever imagined. Let me give you one example that we're going to ask you to serve in the days ahead, and it comes to our giving. I shared this with the first hour, and I recognize that as we come to the end of the year, come October, November, and December, what happens with our giving, we begin instantly to think about the end of the year, to think about Christmas, to think about what we have planned in 2017. And here, here's the reality, and here's what, what you would do in your home. If you're a husband or a wife, father, mother, whatever it is, and you're kind of leading the way when it comes to your finances, you look ahead and you say, you know what, there's a gap. There's a gap that's looming here. There's a gap that's growing here. And this is what we've done here at Taylor's. We, even as far as back in the spring, we began to see how our giving was and how we were spending. So we pull back on the spending. 
so in 2017, when the new budget is proposed and released to you guys, you're going to see a, a major, major reduction in our spending from last year, or what we even proposed from last year. I say all that to say on the staff side, on the ministry side, from our, from our team, we're doing everything we can. To, to keep that spending down, but we see this gap that's in place, and so we're trying to bridge that gap both with what we spend and what we give in. Now, I can help lead the effort when it comes to what we spend. It's kind of hard for me to help you guys or persuade you or to force you to spend. I can't do that. That's not my job. But I can come to you, and I can say, you know what? we got to get this gap a little bit closer together. Because we have a reserve fund and we don't want to move into that reserve fund. We don't want to do that. Just so you at home, you have a savings fund. You have something set aside. You don't want to touch that for the day-to-day -day operation of your home. Same with us. So I'm coming to you this morning and saying, you know what? It might be inconvenient for you to think about this, but I, I need your help. I need you to, to think about doing something that I'm going to try and make incredibly simple for you. And, and, and it is this. I'm going to ask you every single week to give just a little bit more. You're going to hear from us as we lay out our uh, what you have provided for the Lord uh, through the first three quarters of the year. It ends uh, the last day in September, and so we'll wrap up the books on the first three quarters of the year. And as we pivot towards the last quarter, we tell you, this is what we do every year, we'll tell you what you provided for the Lord. But along with it, I, I'm going to send a little note in the next week or so along these lines. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do, to, to give just a little bit more every single week. And here's, here's the challenge in my mind as I've thought and prayed about it over the course of this week. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to make it really simple. Listening to the leadership of our church over the last few weeks, they said, hey, if you're going to come to the body, make it simple. Make it something they can understand and something they can do. Okay, so here it is. All right, I'm going to ask every single one of you, every member, to give 12 dollars for the last 12 weeks of the year 12 additional dollars to what you're already giving for the rest of the year every week 12 for 12 all right that's roughly 150 dollars somewhere in there some of you you're more than capable of doing that easily right away there's some of you who are faithful there are some of you who um, have been giving for for years You've been given ever since you've been a follower of Jesus. I don't know what you give, but I know that in a body like this, there are people who are just faithful, faithful, faithful. You don't want recognition. You just give because it's an act of obedience. It's an act of grace. And so for you, this extra $12, I hesitate to even ask you to do this, but you know what? Sometimes families just need to sacrifice. You're given regularly. You know what, for me, here, here's what it means this week. For me, I, I was kind of watching, knowing I was going to come to you, and so I started watching my spending a little bit. And um, so Thursday morning, I had a little bit of extra time. And so uh, before Harrison went to school, so Harrison and I, what do we naturally do? We just pull into Starbucks, right? And, and I grab an extra, I, I grab a cup of coffee as if I needed another cup of coffee in the morning. But I go ahead and grab an extra cup of coffee. And then, and then Harrison says, hey, Dad, I need, I need a little boost for school too, right? So, so he, get, he, gets, he gets the strawberries and cream frappuccino. You parents, don't judge me, okay? I'm just trying to help my son get through school that day, right? So, so that came out to be about in between 5 and $6, dollars. Right now, that, that's not even counting some of the things you can get at Starbucks. I mean, you can get like a like a venti caramel macchiato, double whip, one extra pump with a side of hash browns on the side, and it costs you like thirteen dollars right there. Right? 
I don't even know what that is. I just made that up. And so, but you know, at Starbucks, you, you can blow money. All right, so the next day for my lunch, for my lunch, I went through a fast food place, and I cut out the soft drinks, and, and I, just, I, I just ordered a basic meal, and it was a little over six, it was right under six stuff. So I'm thinking, in one, get out of the car, right? Don't drive anywhere. So in two drive throughs I've spent $13. Do I need that? Well, I can brown bag my lunch. I, I, I can make coffee at home, right? I, I'm, I'm just trying to help you. What are some ways that you can serve? For some of you, you give irregularly, meaning you give when you feel like it. You give when um, you're satisfied or you give when something happens or, you know. Um, I, I'm asking you to, to be faithful to the end. To, to be obedient to, to Christ, to, to give to his body. Some of you give to, to charities, which is great. You give to nonprofits, that's great. You give to Christian ministries, that's great. But if you're coming here and being fed with the word of God and ministries happening and lives are being changed and mission is going out, I, I'm going to appeal to you fr from the scriptures to give to the body. Some of you don't give at all. Um, last year, we, we did the numbers. We haven't done them this year. But 39%, four out of every 10 that are members, gave zero in 12 months. Like you're members of the body of Christ. You love this place. You, 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 you say you do, and, and, and you give nothing. Now, now, look, some of that could be students and children. Some of that could be shut-ins and those that don't have any, any dollars. At all. Some of those members could be members that have moved away or no longer attend here. I, I get that, but there is a, there's a certain chunk of people who, for whatever reason, you see the body of Christ as a place not to come and to give and to serve, but a place to just come in and out. And so I'm not going to belabor the point, but everybody can contribute especially when it might not be the most convenient time to do that. So you'll be hearing more about this over the course of the next several weeks, but the 12 weeks begins next week. So we ask you, you come. You come and you give. Because sometimes serving just isn't the most convenient thing, but it's an act of, of, of obedience to Jesus. Here, here's the second thing this morning. Read with me verses 19 through 23. So he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. I bet if Jesus looks at them as they're reclining there at the table, and he looks in their faces, and he says, listen, I'm about to be poured out for you. I'm about to give my life and serve you. 
Is this the time that you would, you would want me to do this? Would you rather me do it a different way? It's not exactly convenient. I get it. But here's the second thing that Jesus might be saying to us, and it is this, that, that serving is sometimes is just simply out of our control or we release control to the Father. You see, as, as people, here's our human nature. We want it to, to not only be comfortable and convenient, but we want, it, we want control over this thing. We want to know where it's going. We want to know how this thing is going to work out, how this thing is going to end. We, we, we'll jump in if you tell me where it is I'm going to go, right? That's what we say. And Jesus says this. I, I'm going to model the way for you that... um. I could have control of this thing, but I'm not. I, I, I could, with one word, strike Judas down. I mean, they get out in the garden, and when Judas comes to them, you remember the story? Peter takes out a, a, a sword, and he, and, he, and he swipes the, uh, one of the servant's ears off, and Jesus reaches down, and he picks up the ear, and he heals that servant. As, as a reminder that um, I, I can control this thing, but I'm going to release it to the Father. In, in the garden, he prayed this prayer, if there is any way for this cup to pass from me, this cup of sorrow, this cup of serving, if there is any way that I can get out of this and do it a different way, then let it pass. But Father, not my will, but yours be done. Over the course of four weeks, Jesus might be calling some of you to do something and it's out of your control. Or you're just relinquishing control to the Father. But look at Jesus all throughout the Gospel of Luke, hanging on a cross, going to the cross, suffering, being whipped, beaten, spit upon, for your sin and for my sin. And here's the refrain you hear in the Gospel of Luke. Say, if you are who you are, save yourself. But for you, for your sin and my sin, he said, no, I, I, I'm not going to save myself. He, I, I could. But the Father's got this. And I'll serve. I, I'll give my life. I'll give my life for, for, for you and for, for me. And then verses 24 through 27, here's the last paragraph before we go to the Lord's table this morning. A dispute also arose among them. We don't know exactly when this dispute arose among them. Mark and Matthew put it in a different spot than Luke does. But nevertheless, here is a dispute that as Jesus is going to the cross, this comes up. Verse 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater? One who reclines at the table or the one who serves the table? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I, who am the greatest, I am among you as the one who serves. Here's the last thought before we 
come to the Lord's table. Sometimes serving is just plain and simply countercultural, or it is totally opposed to the expectations that we have for ourselves or for the position in which we've been called to serve. Understand this, that serving is not a place at the table, but instead it is a posture of the heart. Serving is a posture of a heart which says if it's inconvenient, if it's uncomfortable, if it's countercultural, it's not what I'm used to seeing or what I understand is, is to be true. It's something that runs counter to the thinking of the particular day or of my heart or of the heart of my family or of my church. In other words, I might come in thinking this is the way I need to serve, but Jesus is saying, no, I need you to serve a different way. What Jesus does is he flips the kingdom principle upside down from the cultural principle. The cultural principle said, look at the Roman government and look at how they operate and they're supposed to be the greatest and look at their influence that comes down through these benefactors or these princes or these these rich men that help get things done for them. And the world says, oh, look, that's serving right there. These benefactors, they serve the Roman government, and they find a way to get it done. And it's by sheer power or sheer force or money or whatever it is. That's how they get it done. Jesus says, no, 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 the kingdom is upside down. Those who serve are the ones who are the least, and those who are, are the humble. He says, you look at the older people, and, and the older people are the ones that are, are supposed to get the attention, and they're the ones that are to be served. But I want you to, to take the heart of a younger person, which says, I will be lower, and I will be humble, and I will serve. He says, I, I don't want you to think like the culture thinks when it comes to serving. Taylors, we don't want you to think like the culture thinks when it comes to your serving, that, I'm, that, 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 that I, I deserve better than that. Or, or here's an understanding of church life that we're going to have to deal with. That church is now an option for our walk with Jesus. Man, we're battling that big time. That church is just an add-on. That, that church is just something that if we can make it happen, we'll make it happen. Man, that's prevalent in the culture now. Guess what comes next? Serving. If church is just an option, if church is just something that we walk through, then serving is, well, we make it happen if we can make it happen. It's optional. And as we'll see over the course of the next few weeks, the body of Christ is so much in need of everybody, whatever your gifts are, whatever your passions and skills are, we need you because this body needs you to serve it and you cannot be like Christ. You can't do it unless you serve like Christ because that's just who he was and we serve for others. Mark 10 verse 45 says this. It says that the Son of Man, Jesus is saying the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve and to do what? And to give his life a ransom for many. So understand this. Serving is simply not about just filling a slot. Simply not this survey where we want you to find your place and we want you to find your passion. Someone stopped me after the first service and said, um, hey, we go to a smaller church and do you have the same problems that we do, that you don't have 
places filled and volunteers and workers. And I said, we, we do have those same problems, but that's not ultimately the goal is to fill a slot or, or to get you to feel good about yourself. That's a step towards what? Towards seeing people impacted and transformed and changed and the mission of the church moving forward because you as a person have said, I can contribute. I can be a part of this. And so we come to you and we come to the Lord's table with that spirit, with that heart in mind, the heart of Christ. Deacons, if you'll come forward and if you'll just stand there and face the tables as we prepare in this room and we're going to say a prayer and then the worships or the uh, fellowship hall will, you'll continue with your Lord, with the Lord's Supper in that room. But understand this. This is a special, special place. This is the place, as we just read in Luke 22, where Jesus said, I will serve to the point of great suffering and the point of great death. And I will serve for your sin. And God will be satisfied with my body that is broken. And God will be satisfied with the blood that he now sees. And just like in Egypt, when he sees that incredible love and sacrifice, and in his mercy, he will respond to those who believe so it is through this table. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, and that is your story. You come and you eat with us and you drink with us and thus we remember the Lord's death. For those of you who don't know Jesus, both rooms, we simply ask you not to participate in this. We don't want to single you out. We're glad you're here. We just simply want to be people of integrity to the word of God which says that this is a place reserved for those who recognize Jesus' lordship and the saving grace that he has poured into your heart. If you don't know Christ, now's the opportunity to think through as we go through this incredible, wonderful act of worship, to think through that God loves you, sent Christ to die for you. Will you respond to his great love by opening up your heart to him? Let's pray together and then we'll come to the Lord's table. Father, thank you for the body that was broken, the, the blood that was poured out. And as we hear Luke 22, we see Jesus. We see his face. We hear his heart. And we watch him move for us. So we respond with confession of our sin and with submission to your leadership in obedience to your commands. Shape our hearts now through this incredible act of worship, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.